Welcome to episode 30 of the Bucket Seat Podcast. In this episode, I had the opportunity to speak with Justin Sukraj of Wells Auto. Justin is a fascinating guy with a very clear passion, bordering on obsession like most of us, for unique things in the automotive world. Without giving away too much, I can tell you that Justin and Wells Auto are responsible for some pretty incredible DeLorean DMC-12s, and Justin's very clear attention to detail is what makes them just so special. Check out his Instagram, wellsauto.ca, for a peek behind the curtain. So stay tuned for our regular rundown of how my guests got into cars in the first place, and stick around for a thorough DeLorean party with some surprise Honda and Acura goodies. As usual, I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne, and this is the Bucket Seat Podcast. Officially, episode 30. Although I've done many two-part series, which would actually push us long beyond this. This is the official episode 30. Um, and so good evening, good morning, good afternoon to whomever it is that's listening, whenever you're listening, and welcome to the show. Tonight, I have the pleasure of hosting Justin Sukraj of Wells Auto. Um, so Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So... Justin, why don't we start off with you telling us just a bit about Wells Auto. So give us a bit of an understanding, paint that picture of what you're up to now, what Wells Auto means, and kind of just generally what Wells Auto is about. Sure. Well, Wells Auto is uh, right now Canada's only DeLorean-specific sales and restoration uh, facility. We're we're located in Milton, and we take care of... Uh, the DeLorean owners and enthusiasts in Ontario and across Canada. Um, we uh, do everything from uh, maintenance uh, to full-blown restorations, uh, frame replacements, uh, engine builds, uh, you name it. If the car needs it, we keep them on the road. Amazing. And how long have you been around for? Um, technically, the business, Wells Auto Sales, was uh, my uncle's business for, for many years, and I bought it from him. Um, it's been 18 years as a company, but we, as a, a DeLorean operation, um, about three years now. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Maybe two and a half. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And sorry, you said Milton, Ontario. It's correct. Yeah. So we moved to Milton, Ontario about um, just coming up two years now, which is our new facility. Uh, Guelph was quite a small location, and Milton is almost a 14-car uh, spot. Wow. Yeah. Hang on, sorry. Just the one location now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Originally Guelph, now Milton? Yeah, so Guelph still exists as a, a place where my uncle hangs out, but it's not Wells Auto anymore. <laughs> <so> <laughs> gotcha. We still have the building, so. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, and so your role at Wells Auto mm-hmm. is? Uh, I'm the restoration specialist slash owner slash... Uh, pretty much everything. <laughs> we, uh, I do outsource some some of the pieces. I do have some uh, technicians who come in for certain jobs, and uh, we do have specials for for other components, but uh, such as the engine builds and so on. But no, every the the, the whole component stuff coming together is pretty much myself. It's amazing. <laughs> um, and going back even just a little bit further before yeah. Wells, um, your influence or your um, I guess what in terms of what got you into automotive in the first place right what 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 was that what was it that inspired and hooked you and take us through kind of that evolution to where wells auto started 
Well, I mean, technically, I was told that I've loved cars since birth. Uh, I remember hearing the story that my father had to drive me around um, as a baby to get me to sleep. Um, <laughs> and then they'd bring me back in the house and I'd wake up and they'd take me back into the car so <laughs> so yeah it um, sounds like i'm pretty sure lawrence had a very similar yeah, story i think, I think that so. to you, those of you listening lawrence is both a friend of the show and both a friend of, of justin and i yeah absolutely um but it sounded a very similar story to him <laughs> okay so and so that's what I, I i you know i heard but what i remember is growing up um oddly enough it was dukes of hazard and knight rider were the shows that i was watching that, that inspired me about cars moving, right? And sure, you know, in Knight Rider, cars flew. And, and yeah, Dukes of Hazzard's car flew too. Um, but, but that was kind of what um, I think got me hooked on, on cars being part of my life. They weren't, they weren't just something I liked. And, you know, growing up, I had tons of toys that were cars, as most, you know, kids did. Yeah, yeah. But I think I treated them a little differently. I don't know. I just feel like uh, I, my, my, I still have them. How about that? <laughs> I think <laughs> that, does, I think that, that, that was the start of the madness, mm -hmm. so, to be quite honest. And um, you know, from there, uh, I, um, I guess my my love of cars grew closer to when I was able to get my my license and drive and so on like that. But uh, that was that was such a goal for me. Right, I think for 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 kids who maybe grew up in Urbia, that was less of a, a thing. But you know, in the suburbs of Guelph, uh, and to get around places too, it was not only your freedom, but but yeah, it was it was just for the thrill of driving. So I can completely relate to that. Yeah. I, mine was a necessity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's what got you into them. Hmm. What was the first one that you owned? My 1989 Integra, which I still have. Come on. Yeah. I give you everything. <laughs> it's in storage. I just brought it out actually um, a, few, a few weeks ago for the first time this year. <laughs> it sees about 500 kilometers a year. It gets its back rows exercise with the uh, new 15-inch CF48 Mugen rims I had finally installed on it this year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, that so that's the literally the first car that you yeah. owned. You still own it. Yeah. I think we'll get to what I'm really interested in a few minutes in sure. terms of just how many cars you have. Because yeah. that, that's a reason a we're a dealership mark. now. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, <laughs> all of which cars that you you own that you won't sell. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So that was first car. Okay. Yeah. Um, first time you started tinkering with a car. Did you ever start tinkering? Did yeah. you tinker with cars as, uh, you know, kind of in your youth or was it something that came on later on in life? No, I, I certainly did. Um, <clears throat> it it, it kind of started off, um, I wasn't a mechanical person. I was a body person um, mm. I, because I loved making cars shiny. So it started off with cleaning cars. Then it started into body work. I actually had a detailing business in high school, which was super convenient uh, for because teachers are like messy and they have dirty cars. And it turns out when you become the guy who is their hookup for making their car less disgusting, it opens up all sorts of doors, really. I would imagine and, <laughs> so. That's a very smart move. Yeah, and it was great. We learned a lot um, with a group of people who just didn't have the funds to pay for normal body work, it mm -hmm. seems like. So um, that's that's where I started do, doing that. But the first you know, real uh, tinkering on a car was my, my dad's 87 Integra. 
and that was the car that was supposed to be mine and when i when i hit 16 that was my goal my hope is that car was going to be mine and unfortunately uh, my dad got t-boned by a drunk driver uh not far no from here actually way. yeah and survived i can show you the picture actually it's i have the picture wow. on my phone from that time and uh it's amazing that he survived the accident um but the car was total and it uh broke my heart and um dad was, are you okay yeah, and oh, wait. then after that, is the cry, car cry, okay? Cry. Yeah, that that was actually the conversation. <laughs> um, and uh, I kind of spent a lot of time looking for one again, then kind of gave up until the the story lent itself to the car I bought. So um, that's that. But that I, the, the car I first started that hooked me on driving was mm-hmm. that car. Mm-hmm. The sound of that sixteen valve engine after four thousand RPM around the corners of the back roads that that just changed my mind of what a car does right and, it, that uh, sound yeah i'm f- very familiar yes. with and it's such an addicting sound absolutely it's a, as somebody said it's a, it's a swarm of angry bees mm-hmm. and um it was just intoxicating and and um and my dad realized that he realized how important that was to me too and was supportive in in every way of me abusing the car <laughs> and now with that being your dad's choice was he also into cars was that something that he enjoyed or he chose that car very methodically no or was it just kind of serendipitous it was kind of serendipitous actually uh my uncle had had his uh dealership in markham at the time and my dad was just looking for a replacement used car and he happened to have this black integra and that was sort of it and you know to my dad it was you know the same as an accord really like as a hatchback whatever it's a car stick fine and the truth is, if you drove that car below 4,000 RPM, you would have no idea what it's capable of. <laughs> <laughs> you really would not. It's a, it, yeah. it would have no, it, yeah, it handled fun, but you would have no idea what that car did until you pushed it. And that's what I did. <laughs> like, that was the moment. Yeah. I was addicted to driving yeah. Hondas. That was it. Yeah. That was I, it. I mean, you and I can certainly relate in that respect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So... We talked a little bit about high school. This is an interesting era also mm. when this car emerged in your life. Yes. What was that cool car? Or did you have the cool car that everybody wanted in high school? I think I had, um, in our high school, if you had a car, you were a minority, um, you know, other than the fact that I was a minority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, uh, <laughs> it, it, was, it was few and far between. Um, but I, I guess the, uh, so a car was important. That's, that's fine. As far as the cool cars, it, it was a divided, divided camp. Um, it was import versus domestics. It couldn't be more divided. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah, it in was, the heartland of Guelph. Exactly, <laughs> brawn versus brains, and it was, um, you know, what for me it was a no-brainer. I mean, I grew up on the Hondas, and you know, I, I was going to school with people who were into Mustangs and Cavaliers, and they couldn't have been for any other for no other reason the enemy <laughs> yeah <laughs> um because it, those cars just represented the opposite of everything we were building it was building smarter with smaller displacement versus building bigger for the sake of it right and i know it's a controversial thing even up to today um but i i grew up in import technology it's not racy <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, that's my statement <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so those were the two camps you were either uh, an integra guy or a mustang guy you're either a cavalier person or a crx person like you mm-hmm. were not and maybe you drove a probe if that's what your parents gave you <laughs> <laughs> it's got a 24 valve though that's right <laughs> uh that 
that sounds very familiar to my upbringing in, in cars as well. And our high school was quite divided in that very same respect. Yeah. And there were a lot of pickup trucks. So I'm yeah. sure that's also we, similar. I don't, you know, there must have been around, but I just, I don't think I even visually saw them. Like I right. just, my, my mind tuned it out. That's, yeah, we t- that's, that's not a <laughs> We tune those car. things out. Exactly. It's not a car. <laughs> I admittedly, that's kind of my world of, although I admire great trucks sure. and great motorcycles. Yeah. They just aren't my thing. I just don't even see them. Uh, <laughs> I do now, so though, see more um, SUVs, CUVs, and sedans than right. I ever really thought I would in my life before sure. that. Yeah. But I think that comes with age. That, a different time of life. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So on to what I think may be the most interesting question out of this set. Hmm. One that I'm most interested in. Right. Hearing about all of these cars, you yeah. have your first car that you ever owned still in your possession today. Yes. What else do you have in your stable? What else is in the stable? It's it's actually kind of a stable. Um, well, let's see. We, we talked about the 89 Integra. So um, soon built after I learned how to work on cars was the first car I ever learned how to do mechanical stuff on, my okay. 87 CRX. That mm-hmm. car, I was forced uh, through a long story to, to do finish the engine swap that I had paid a shop to do on that car, which has essentially the same engine as the Integra, a black top Japanese spec ZC engine, mm-hmm. um, and wire it up. So it wasn't just plug, plunking it in this thing, it was wiring it up. And for a kid who had no other experience with that stuff, and you know, I had my pile of money lying in this car, it was fix it or, well, I don't think we have any more money to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was fix it. Yeah. And I'll never forget when I drove that car away from the shop and the shop owner called me and he's like, where's your car? I'm like, it's in my driveway. Would you tow it? I'm like, no, I, I finished it. You finished it. Yeah. You drove it home. Yeah. Really? <laughs> sort of how that went. And, uh, you know, that car was a cool test bed for me for all sorts of things. Um, and uh, it's it's like the Integra, but lighter and crisper and has a, you know, a Japanese specification digital dashboard and it's very period correct, the whole thing. So there's that. There's an 88 four-wheel steering Prelude, uh, which was the first year of four-wheel steering in the world. Uh, it's an all-original, one-family-owned car with 44,000 original kilometers. <laughs> That's um, crazy. And there's a crazy story behind that car. Sorry, what now. year again? 88. 88, right. Yeah, per, uh, production 87, but 88 model year. Um, and it's a Canadian car. Um, the uh, We have a 91 CRX VT. It is the only European-spec uh, CRX in Canada, as far as we can tell. Um, it's as far as I'm concerned, the, the the ultimate CRX, full leather interior, the way they came from the factory, uh, B16A engine again from the factory, the bigger Integra brakes, everything that you'd kind of want to do wow. to a car. Like when I take it to the CRX meets, everybody looks at it as this is what they've been trying to build, and no when they do kidding. build in one way or another. But this is what the factory did. Yeah, um, and it's got like 320,000 Autobahn kilometers on it. No and it way. Look it, but it does. Yeah, and it's a well-maintained car for that kind of mileage so um there's that um there's of course my my um my deloreans <laughs> which we'll get to right <laughs> yeah. my, my 82 delorean dmc12 uh which i've had since 2009 and uh my 83 delorean which my father and i purchased as a uh, father and son sort of restoration project which we got uh, running and rolling but uh, never really quite finished it to where i'm happy with it so now it's my uh my project to finish wow Sunday. <laughs> wow and which of those is your daily? What do you drive today? Oh, none of that's my daily. Those <laughs> are just the toys. I even forgot one. I forgot about the Smart, my 2005. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my yeah. 2005 Smart Pulse Cabriolet, which I just got and I joined the fleet. Uh, my daily driver mm-hmm. is a 2003 Volkswagen Golf TDI 
with 426,000 kilometers on it. No kidding. Yes. Good God. And I love it. Wow. It's my first Volkswagen ever, and it gets about 900 plus kilometers on a tank. It does, of course. Yeah. And uh, how long have you owned that for? Uh, since I bought the business, so it's been uh, coming up three years. Wow. Well, we can't talk about that. No, anymore. no, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that some other time. <laughs> it's- It just seems so expected that when you meet someone who's into cars and potentially has a couple of cars yeah. and they need something really reliable and a daily, yes. that it always ends up being a TDI yeah. Volkswagen. Yeah. It always ends up being a Volkswagen <laughs> and it always ends up being a TDI. And I love it because the number, well, I love it and I hate it. The number of TDI Jettas and Golfs yes. that I have recommended and both, sorry, both recommended and put people into. Yes. Um, is astonishing in comparison by far to any other recommendation I've ever made that was successful enough to get them in and behind the wheel. Sure. And then Dieselgate hit, and I felt like a real asshole. Well, what I love about my car is it predates Dieselgate, right? This car, this car was clean before clean was fashionable. Right, right, right. Before they figured it out, yeah, they did make clean diesel. That's right. That's right. Uh, I also I had the same generation um, of TDI. Jetta that mm, my, fa- my father had for a long, very long time. Um, what a, it's just so funny. It, it really seems to be the case with anybody who's into cars. That that's their daily. Of course, yeah. it's my daily. It's a you know, it's a diesel Volkswagen. That's I, what happens. I'll tell you, it can fit eight DeLorean wheels in the back. That's all it more matters <laughs> that's to me right awesome. now. <laughs> is it the wagon? Oh no, no, oh, no, no. Because it's a golf yeah, right yeah, of yeah. that gen. There is no yeah. wagon. Yeah. Um. All right. So now back to the business, yeah. or at least. The business of your business, sure. which is the DeLorean. So that's the right. DMC 12, yes. the DeLorean Motor Company. Yes. So that is what you predominantly focus on. And we've kind of covered that off already. So some of the questions I had about the car itself. Yeah. So what was it that initially attracted you to the DMC 12 and DeLorean, the DeLorean Motor Company? Sure. Well, I, am, I guess the first time I realized the car was real <laughs> was, was, was a big thing. I mean, obviously, growing up, we had seen Back to the Future, but in Guelph, we didn't have a lot of DeLoreans kicking around. In fact, I never saw one. I would imagine around. so. Right. But my first DeLorean I ever saw, believe it or not, was at the end of the street. It was uh, a little used car lot that was right at the corner here of no Dover, and Queen. And I remember coming up to... Um, the intersection and looking to my right and seeing the car and just screaming to my dad, stop, stop, pull over. <laughs> and, you know, it was cold outside. So my dad's like, well, we'll, we'll park and we'll walk back down. And we did. And we saw the car and, uh, you know, of course, knocking on the door of the used car place. And I'm like, hey, do you have the keys for the DeLorean? I'm sure he was used to, you know, making kids go away. Yeah. He's like, oh, I don't have the key. Right, yeah. so uh, classic. Anyways. We all know the answer yeah. to that so, you know, question. Yeah. Exactly. Took took our pictures. You know, had my picture taken with it, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the next time we went back, of course, it was gone. Right. And I, had I been smarter as a nine year old, I should have written down the VIN. 
because mm. that's how we roll in the DeLorean world. <laughs> what fin is it? I love that. Yeah. Um, so that's um, that's sort of how that started. And after I realized it was a car, um, I pretty much had to have it. I mean, even back then, if you asked my, my classmates and so on, I um, I was pretty obsessed with the car. My dad knew how obsessed with the car I was. So fast forward to um, a few years later, after that one had disappeared, and just down the street this way, there's a place on Dundas uh, that had two that had been sitting outside for a very, very long time. No kidding. Yeah. I didn't realize this, this was so localized. Yet. Yeah, it's funny that we happen to be here. But yes, most of, a good chunk of my story is around this neighborhood because that dealership had uh, been selling the cars somewhat when they were new, it turns I actually have one that they sold brand new. Hmm. Yeah, they imported from the U.S. They brought it here. It was the first car that was registered on there. So, all right. Anyways. Didn't know that. I saw the car out of the corner of my eye again. Begged Dad to stop the car. Um, this time, the dealer was much more happy to at least let me play with it. And I burnt myself on the car. I'd been sitting out in the sun. I didn't realize that, you know, stainless can get pretty hot, like regular cars. But it was really hot. Of I, course. I did burn myself a little bit, my finger a little bit by touching the door. And I remembered <laughs> that. And uh, anyways, my, my, my dad realized that the walk from his place here to where that was was about an hour and uh, as a rather obese child, that was good exercise. <laughs> so every weekend when I'd come to visit my father, I'd beg to go for the... the and he's like, yeah, we'll go for a walk. Of course. Right? So... Um, How kind of him. Exactly. And it was, it was you know, it, with good nature. And um, we both win. He gets... Uh, I, and the only thing is, I was so focused on that car, I didn't notice the walk. As of a fat, hefty kid, I didn't notice the walk. <laughs> so anyways, fast forward to... Um, to when I got my license and um, when the, the 87 Integra had been totaled. And, um, you know, I thought, well, I can't find another Integra that seems to be the right one. I want to buy that DeLorean because, you know, that makes sense, right? Those are the similar things, similar price ranges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. But, you know, I thought if I'm going to buy a car, uh, I want the coolest thing I can get, right? Mm -hmm. I understand and, that. And more importantly, these were not good condition cars, right? Mm -hmm. So I thought, I, you know, I'd get a good deal on it. Problem is, I had no idea how to work on this car mechanically. I had no idea how to work on this car, period. It was very different than the Hondas, and uh, I hadn't been working on those mechanically. Anyways. And you weren't at a time where you could just immediately pop online and no. search this tremendous database of both information and parts availability. It predates the internet, right? Um, so, uh, made a deal. I uh, got a loan from the bank. Um, Luckily, parents co-sign, <laughs> and uh, Very nice. uh, we we I bought the car, and um, they spent some time trying to get it uh, more mobile. Um, and by the end of the week, uh, we we give them a week to do so. We had, you know got everything done, and it became clear that there were some serious serious problems with the car. So finally, uh -oh. I said, "Look, you know what? I can't fix this. I don't I don't want this. Like it scares me now." And I thought we could, and they're like, "I'll tell you what. We'll give you your money back, but I don't ever want to see you again." Wow. Right. That seems fair. Mm -hmm. you know? So, mm -hmm. um, so away goes the car, and there's a whole separate story about how it reappears later on. But, um, anyways, the car was gone. I'm uh, heartbroken, and I come back to Guelph, and there at this dealership lot um, in used car district is this red '89 Integra. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that was sort of it. <laughs> but. Um, you know, that, that didn't kill my love for the DeLorean. So, you know, here I was for years and uh, wanting that car again, wanting, you know, wanting to, to, to finally be able to drive it and, and really enjoy it. 
and I told my my fiance at the time when we were getting married and now wife before I turned 30 I want I want a DeLorean and I even tried to work it into the wedding somehow that failed <laughs> and smart um, man yeah so I you know I was I, I worked I saved up um and um there was a number of misadventures but I finally found my my 82 and I bought it um in the spring before I turned 30 so amazing that was the that's sort of a drawn out bit sorry about that <laughs> I, I love it no I love it I mean it was meant to be right from the very beginning and obviously yeah. lots in between yeah uh, we could probably do entire stories of just what was the in-between oh, and in-between how did crazy. that cycle happen right. um, but I do have a couple of other sure. questions for you that are very very related yeah. and one which I think could, couldn't be more related yeah. is the the connection with Jujaro Jujetto yes and so it sounds like when we were talking about this before, yeah. we'd actually both been in the same venue when Absolutely. he had spoken at the University of Toronto. Correct. I think it was at the Faculty of Music. Yes. yes. And I found it incredibly fascinating. And admittedly, um, although I would say a student of the industry, I didn't really know the depth of Jujaro Giudetto and his history in designing cars that I thought, oh, well, you know, the guy who did the DeLorean and yes. the guy who did the Lotus Esprit. And I went, of course, I mean, they look and they seem to have very similar lines and the design language itself is very much his hand. And then I started looking further and seeing Scirocco Mm -hmm. and golf. And I mean, what else was in there? I'm trying to think of pony. Oh, right. (laughs) Right. Yes. And the stellar. So, um, (laughs) you know, it's probably a loaded question, but if you appreciate the wedge, yes, then you probably appreciate just about everything that he has done. And so, how much did you find as a kind of balance between the design of that car and what the next question I have is? I think a lot of people immediately assume that you got the car because of Back to the Future. Exactly. And when we were talking about it, the way you'd explained it to me it was really interesting that you have someone so incredibly talented and is writing the future of automotive design to a certain Mm -hmm. degree uh, with Giorgetto. Mm. And then you have this very pop culture phenomenon of Back to the Future and one of the three heroes um, with, you know, you have Christopher Lloyd, you have Michael J. Fox, and you have the DeLorean. Um, Very important points in time. And I think the timing was great. And I actually want to know more of the story as to why it was the DeLorean and was it meant to be anything else, which I think it was. Um, But so of those two, I think I kind of know the answer to the question, but what was more inspiring for you? Um, You you mean between the... Between the two, the more inspiring of the two in terms of Giorgetto, his design, the design language, what you've been drawn to there and what I think a lot of people think most DeLorean owners, builders or enthusiasts are drawn to as a result of the movie. Right, right. So for you, which one was it? Well, it was it was certainly the the design. I mean, when, when I uh, it's funny because when I realized and and this is again pre pre internet days, I remember going to the library and bookstores and getting any information I could about the car and and, and of course the name of Atal Design keep coming up. Mm-hmm. And of course, I knew the Lotus Esprit. I loved the Lotus Esprit. I didn't realize I loved the Lotus Esprit because it looks like the <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know the BMW M1 and the Schrock. All of these cars. Right, I the M1. Of how I yeah, I mean the. It, it suddenly it was it, it all came together that you know, there was this one magic man who penned these things and and that I loved all of them right I mean so so for me it was it was the design 
on top of the fact that the car enveloped such an era, enveloped such a time that that was gone. We were we were in the the '90s, and the, the car was passe at the time, which was you know, almost even more alluring. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, if you talk to my clients, um, I'd say a good chunk of them bought it because you know what they saw in Back to the Future. They liked the movie. They loved the car. They loved the car for what it is too. But that was their inspiration. Um, in, in my case, as a, as a design student too, uh, no, it was it was those lines. It was the car. And when I, you know, the bottom line is, it's a stainless steel car that has gullwing doors. <laughs> Give me, do You're like, that's the to? mic drop. Yeah, exactly. That's what that is. Do we have to know anything? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like I said, I mean, I kind of knew the answer to the question, but it's always nice to be able to kind of solidify that for anyone who is begging it. Back to the Future definitely had an influence, and I'll give the very shameful, um, the very shameful relationship that I've had with podcasts as it were as a result of something very popular like Serial. Sure, and it's knowing of the car beforehand. Sure, then all of a sudden the movie popularizes it. I had a particular draw to it because of that as well, and that was my introduction to it, just like Serial was a great introduction to the world of storytelling in the same form that's been told for many, many years. So I, I, I completely relate uh, with the, the draw to the design because I also looked at all of those cars, and I didn't, my brain didn't understand what it was that connected all of them together. And of course, it was the same designer. It's like yeah. hearing music made or composed by the same composer and you don't understand why you love these groups so much and then you realize that the person behind it was the exactly. same brain exactly. um so i'm very much with you on that and i still oh the m1 i can't believe i yeah. forgot that when i was going through some of those yeah that car yeah <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful car when you see it and remember i had the you know, opportunity to see it in the flesh and it's so crazy because just like the DeLorean, just like the Esprit, somehow pictures don't do it the amount of justice for angles that it can create. Uh, I just saw an Esprit today at a place where I was at mm -hmm. and uh, an 84 Turbo. And I tell you, it, its width still is just like the DeLorean. It surprises me when you see it amongst other cars. Yeah. When you, in a shop, it's it doesn't really take you aback as much. But when you park it amongst the regular cars, imagine how crazy that would have been in the early 80s. When I see pictures of DeLoreans in the early 80s next to a Chevette, it it just doesn't make sense. Of course, it looks like a spaceship compared to the Chevette. Right. Well, I mean, I think it's even... it it's It's just as shocking and as interestingly true today if you were to take say like a Chevy Spark or an old um, Toyota Echo yeah. and park the DeLorean beside yeah. that, oh, yeah. it just dwarfs it. I mean, the the rear arches alone yeah. are one of the you know major spectacles in my mind, at yeah. least in terms of what I think about from the DeLorean. Um, and it's just so, so imposing. Um, with that in mind, so something like those rear arches, that as a part, I mean, is... is very integral to what you're doing um, at Wells. And that part, those parts, the sum of all of those parts, those have got to be fairly difficult things to find if you're doing what you're doing right now, which is really restoring a lot of these cars that you've grown to love so much. So maybe if you can take us through what it's like getting parts for a car like a DeLorean, like this is now a vehicle that started in 1978? Uh, 1981. 81, sorry. 81. 81 production. Okay. Um, 
and was produced for uh, two years production, three year modeling run. Okay. So tell us about what it's like getting parts for these cars now. Surprisingly, not that hard. Okay. Uh, there's very few parts that we're coming about that are, are not uh, readily available through new old stock mm-hmm. um, or good used um, from the uh, DeLorean franchises that are out there and, and other vendors. Um, so that's the good news. I mean, we, we do order in a lot of parts, obviously, for our restorations and for our customers. And um, we're lucky these people exist to, to have these parts available and to um, you know allow us to continue to, to keep the cars on the road. So, I mean, there's, there's so much myth surrounding the cars. Um, there's that great uh, American Dad episode that we've always... Um, you know, get questions about, and uh, can you buy a DeLorean door? It's like, well, yeah, you just you know, call DeLorean up and pay the shipping charges, and, <laughs> and you get your door. Get here. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, it's it's going to be easier to find parts for a DeLorean than a lot of older classic cars. And the thing is, I've been told that by some of our owners who own other classic cars. Um, that you would be surprised about, that you would think, oh, there's got to be tons of parts for your old Datsun Z or whatever, and there are certain things you can't, you know, get for that particular car that are harder to come by, and so on and so forth. So yeah, we are okay when it comes to being able to get uh, most parts for that car. It's so interesting. And now, does that predominantly revolve around what we now know DMC or the DeLorean Motor Company as? Is that one of the reasons uh, that we have? We have parts. I mean, I know there's yeah. a, there's, a, there's a particular story behind it in terms of fact a factory parts that were left when the company folded. Yes, and um, the acquisition of a lot of right. a lot of, if not all of those parts yes. as well. So um, I imagine with a lot of old cars or other collectors' cars, when they're done their production run, there was a, still a limited quantity of parts available. Whereas in this case, yeah, it was a factory that was still intended on producing these vehicles full of parts yes and there there was lots of parts available at that point in time um and when uh, delorean motor company um bought you know the the inventory of that uh, it made it so that not only did they have the inventory of the parts but they had the blueprints to make new parts which is great so when they run out of parts they can re-engineer or update a part and, and make it available to the community so that we have new parts um, there just has to be a, a business case for it. I mean, there are certain parts of the car that um, you know don't exist, and that the used value of is quite high. A good example: the left front fender. I've uh, heard this yeah. story, and I didn't know if it was like an old wives' tale, oh, no. or that was legitimately that front left fender is oh, the is I, the real deal. And oh, like... I've paid a lot for a left front fender. <laughs> <laughs> so it's true. Yeah. That's, oh, it's true. That's yeah. wild. In, in fact, I even have a strict rule in the shop that when we're working inside the hood, we never left anything over the left side of the car. It's always over the right side because we don't want to damage a left front fender wow and are you at liberty to say what the the price difference may happen to be between those well let's put it this way i mean the used market can range up to four thousand dollars for a good like original um new old stock a left front fender i think one went for about four grand um, oh my God. and i can't expect them to go much further down now the good news is a lot of stainless is repairable we do stainless mm-hmm. repair um, to 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 good extent, uh, and and the stuff that we can't do, there are, you know the Lorry Motor Company can do, and um, you know a gentleman named Chris Nicholson who is the world renowned stainless steel expert who travels across the globe fixing stainless steel panels on DeLoreans, um, he can fix it. 
Hmm. As long as you pay him and... Well, I'd be trying to get him here for years. Fly him in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we know DMC as it exists now is its own new... It's a, it's a new separate entity. Um, and um, they seem to have a... Um, they seem to have a pretty a pretty established kind of run of what's going on in the in the DeLorean world. So I mean, they've got to be a good they've got to be a, a good partner out there to be able to have when you need good parts. Yeah, it's great that they uh, exist in that context and uh, that they have a, the the facilities out there in the U.S. Of course, for for this and um, it's it's nice that there's a support like that. Again, I think some other orphaned makes let's call it that way mm-hmm. don't don't have that kind of support because maybe there's not the same attention on them too i mean i think we'll all admit that without back to the future the car would might have a different fan base in current standards today it won't True. be necessarily a pop icon yeah <laughs> right right um, it wouldn't necessarily be everything it represents now so would it have the same allure will it have the same value all of these things make a difference as to whether or not you have a business (laughs) (laughs) well my fingers are crossed and i think that um as cliche as it is to say that it is a timeless design it truly is a timeless design that i think is going to be around for a very very long time now those are very very positive things there is one negative thing i mean amongst i'm sure many more that kind of lurk behind the the closed doors of anybody who works on delorean mm-hmm. there's got to be some other maybe not so pleasant things that you've got to deal with but one that i've always heard up that's immediately associated with a car and this happens to a lot of cars for yeah. the record is that when somebody says delorean it's known for being underpowered right and i remember seeing it and i guess until i finally learned that it that it had 138 horsepower a 130 actually a 130 130 130 i as an unknowing car enthusiast looked at it and just assumed 300 250 for the time exactly immediately that's just what i went to that's what i went to that's what i went to and what i've what I've really come to learn from seeing other examples on online and people with collectors and builders from around the world is that there's like many cars, very different levels of collecting and modifying and restoring. And so that exists very in a very real way with the DeLorean, but the DMC 12 in that I've seen a, you know, 575 horsepower or allegedly a 575 horsepower uh, build of it um, on the West coast I've seen, which I've now come to know, a Canadian mm-hmm. that has done an LS swap yes. on it, which I think, was it a Renault or a Peugeot gearbox or something? Oh, it's a stock gearbox. It's a stock Renault UN1, yes. Ah, yes. right, right. That's mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't realize that that was a stock part. Yeah. It's um, sitting in my shop. And, <laughs> and, um, and I've, I've seen it, uh, you know, you see it in classic cars in a lot of ways, the resto mod idea of better cooling, better brakes, more power. Better suspension, modern suspension, right. modern safety, all of these things that yes. you end up doing. So what's your take with Wells Auto in terms of how you approach a DeLorean? Are you into the builds or have you done any of these builds that are along the lines of add power, add power, add power? Or are you more of the mind of keeping this extremely period correct and keeping everything as factory as possible because I've done cars in both ways? Well, I, I'll build cars both ways. 
And cool. what I mean by that is that my I default to let's keep it original. It's only I, I'm a firm believer it's only original once. What does that mean? I'd rather have some leather with patina on it mm-hmm. um, than replace it for beautiful new skins um, because they aren't you know necessarily the original pieces. Yeah. If my clients feel otherwise, and I'll I'll do what they want. Don't get me wrong, but that's my advice first. On the cards that we build to sell, um, mm-hmm. I stay as original as possible and give the option to the next to the buyer. Yep. If they'd like to replace, then uh, we'll uh, we'll replace for sure. Um, that said, um, when it comes to performance stuff, I mean we mm-hmm. do have some things that we can do that don't detract from the value of the car. And the bottom line is, to me, if it has the PRV, original for the DeLorean PRV in it... it Which is, has, sorry, and for those listening, that's the motor, it's yes. the code for the motor, right? Yeah, yeah. so the Peugeot Renault Volvo 2.8 Oddfire V6 that we love, <laughs> that's in the car and came there, and we, we love it because it's original, right? Yeah. Um, we can build it uh, with some minor headwork, um, we can you know, you know fit different exhaust systems uh, on it to help make it breathe, it, it helps. But to, to address the, the first question of, is the car underpowered? In my mind, no. It's 130 horsepower in a 2,700-pound-ish car. That is the same power-to-weight ratio of an Integra, generally speaking. So oh, That's it, a great relationship to be able yeah. to draw for it. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, you can appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yes. um, so it's not bad. But the, just to your same extent, people see the car, see the way it looks. They expect exotic horsepower, exotic noises. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are things that the stock car didn't necessarily do. Now, of course, when the company uh, was folding, the twin turbo DeLorean was almost done development. It would have been, Road and Track tested it as the fastest uh, production car at the time had it been released at 0 to 60 and 5.6. No 6. kidding. Oh, yeah, it's a great article. God, after, well, I, I feel like such a dummy after all of my internet research, that has never come up. I've oh, never yeah. heard of that. I yeah. had no clue that that was in the plan. You can search the Legend Industries uh, twin turbo DeLorean, and okay. it's a fascinating separate story on the DeLorean story, which is already crazy fascinating. Yeah. Um, wow. But the bottom line is it addressed that. And, and mm-hmm. the fact is, if you think about any other car company, the first car they launch with versus the performance model might not be the, the first thing. Now, it was a sports car, but to make it out there and acknowledge and then into year three to have a, the, 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 the hot version of it out would have worked. But the fuel crisis and everything else and, and so on. Of so um, so in, in today's day and age, we upgrade the suspension. We can upgrade brakes to, to some extent. Um, and my lo- bottom line is if it can be bolted on and bolted back to stock, that's my rule. No cutting of frames, no um, you know, hacking of wiring to a point where it's completely unsalvageable. Um, that's about it. Um, but I do encourage my customers to really think about the long-term value and not see it as just a toy for themselves, but we're trying to preserve the cars long-term. Right. And uh, the, the, the Wells Auto philosophy is to prov- provide, pr- sorry, preserve these cars and provide these cars to be usable. Mm-hmm. in 2017 and beyond and in canada when uh, we had first got started we had a lot of dilapidated deloreans compared to the u.s and the bottom line is people didn't have some place that they trusted to they would show the cars love and care um and i treat the cars like my own and you know want them to be on the road safely so Oh, that's awesome. I think anybody listening who has a DeLorean right now would probably feel comfortable putting it in your hands. I hope so. Um, 
And I'm sure that they have heard your name if they're within the DeLorean circle, because I know that it's a very small and tightly knit community. As you know, each of the cars by their VINs. Yes, we do. Um, I think that's very indicative of the type of people that end up owning DeLoreans for the most part. Yeah. So on that note, as we wrap it up, now Wells Auto, Wells Auto's involvement in what happens in the DeLorean community, some of the builds and projects you've been working on or have worked on, um, there's a tremendous amount that's happened in three years. Yes. Now, in terms of what's coming up, hmm. what would you say, uh, what, what would you say to somebody who asked, what's the best, what, what's the best build or what is the best upcoming build that you've got in the books right now? Well, we have a couple of vehicles uh, for sale as we all, often do. Um, one uh, has a you know, completely refurbished chassis, upgraded suspension, um, poured and polished heads on the engine. It's a beautiful car that we're just finishing off the interior in, and this is a good example of what you can do without necessarily affecting the value of the car, because what we end up with is a, a car that's being, uh, to exterior-wise, looks very similar, uh, interior-wise, looks very similar to an original car, but will have a performance advantage over the original car that's not uh, screaming performance, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to mm-hmm. be a much more lively drive, and the, you know the car drives really nicely as a cruiser, to be quite honest. Uh, out of the box, uh, it's it's a it's a great grand tour. It's not an all out, um, you know, yeah. uh, chirping zero to sixty kind of car. <laughs> yeah, we're it's yeah, a, it's not a strip car. It's no. not necessarily a track car, but no. I get that a grand tour is a great way to frame it up for anybody who's looking at them. Yeah. No. Okay. So you have so you've you've got a couple of interesting projects, especially that one. I'd love to. Yeah. So that's on your lot right now. It's in the showroom right now. In the showroom right yeah. now. I need to come and see. I oh. I admittedly hmm. have never even sat. In well, a you should sit in this car. So I want to sit in it, and I really want to take some time to understand yeah, what the car's all absolutely. about. So I promise you a visit to the showroom because I really Excellent. want to see that. I'm going to bring my son because yeah. I think he needs to be introduced to a cool car at three years old that absolutely. I think he, he will remember that car. Gull Wings, there's yeah. just something about that that, oh, yeah. that that inner child and all of us loves. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Male and female, yeah. a Gull Wing car for some reason. And I mean, there's a great predecessor to that as well. But sure. So I want to come and see that. Um, Are there any other big plans that listeners should kind of keep an eye out for? Well, as I mentioned, I'm I'm not really a a huge fan of um, uh, changing the car a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. I guess the only exception to that rule would be if you have one that's so far gone that uh, the the stuff that happens to it after is just a bonus life for it. Um, And uh, let's just say check back with us in the spring because there might be something um, particularly unique. Cool. <laughs> or at least cool. <laughs> awesome. If not uh, individual. So. And just to cap it off, what kind of price range would you look at? And, and you'd be feel free to completely give us a ballpark. Sure. What would you say is mild to wild in the pricing spectrum of a DeLorean today sure. in our Canadian market? Yeah, in the Canadian market, um, the low end of the spectrum on a, a driving car a, a good car you can buy is about 40 grand mm-hmm. um and uh, you know to a, one with a built engine built chassis all of that stuff you can you can get into about you know 60 ish you know uh, that sort of range um that, that seems work. completely reasonable given what you just described as well oh yeah yeah and i mean we're not talking about replacing every panel and, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. so on like that we're talking about a car that will perform very well and uh, cosmetically looks great, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, from a value of where they're 
where they are and where they're going. Um, that pro- projected va- values that you know Hegarty looked at on the car in the five-year term is, is it's going way way up in the future, right? And, I could only yeah. and no pun intended. I was just about to say no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's yeah. awful. It's like dad car guy jokes. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it, it always happens with these. Okay, so Justin, um, where can we find you on the internet? Wellsauto.ca. Mm-hmm. And on Instagram, it's at wellsauto.ca. That's the best place to see our our photos. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you can find us in Milton at 8060 Lawson Road. Cool. Justin, thank you so much for being on the show. I feel like we just scratched the surface (laughs) of the entire topic of the DeLorean for me because I find it so fascinating. And I know that, I, or at least I hope that a lot of people get as much out of it that I did um, we are definitely going to do some follow-up episodes on this. I think just on the history of your cars is an interesting <laughs> one on its own, but then also the history of what you've done and what's um, been a big part of you being so involved in the automotive industry, something I'd love to deep sure. uh, dig, uh, dig a bit deeper on. So thank you again, Justin. Um, to all of you listening, this has been episode 30 of the Bucket Seat Podcast. You can find us on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Instagram and on Facebook, also at thebucketseat.ca. If you have any questions or you have any requests, you can email me at trevor at thebucketseat.ca. I hope you keep listening. Stay tuned for our next set of episodes. I think you'll enjoy them. Uh, Stay tuned and thanks again. Thank you for having me.